0: volume one chapter four of willard's weird by mary elizabeth Braddon. this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by lynn thompson chapter four bothwell declines to answer the room at the vital spark was filled to overflowing on the occasion of the adjourned inquiry at the previous examination only the inhabitants of bodmin and its immediate neighbourhood had been present but on this second afternoon people had come from long distances and there was not standing-room for the audience which filled the passage and waited with strained ears to catch a stray word now and then through the open door the idea of a profound mystery of a dastardly crime had been fostered in the local mind by the newspapers which had harped upon the ghastly theme and gloated over the particulars of the nameless girl's fate in paragraphs and leaderettes ad nauseam articles headed more details concerning the bodmin mystery further particulars about the strange death on the railway had served as the salt to give savour to cut and dried reports about the harvest the markets and those small offenders whose peccadilloes furnish the material for justice to exercise her might upon at petty sessions every one had read about that strange death of a lonely girl in the summer sunset every one was interested in a fate so melancholy an abandonment so inexplicable i thought that there was hardly ever a human being so isolated as to be owned by no one said the curate of wadebridge Yet it would seem that this poor girl had no one to care for her in life or to identify her after death if She had one friend living in England or France surely that person must have made some sign before now People in France are very slow to hear about anything that happens in England replied dr. Menheniot, to whom the curate had been talking But I heard mr. Heathcote at first inquiry say that he meant to advertise in a Parisian newspaper Then to be sure the advertisement appeared answered Menheniot, Heathcote is one of those few men with whom meaning and doing are the same thing The inquiry dragged its slow length along and hardly one new fact was elicited There was a great deal of repetition in spite of the coroner's attempt to keep all his witnesses to the point point. Mr. Distin sat near the coroner and asked a few questions of two or three of the witnesses and though he elicited no Actually new facts he seemed to put things in a clearer light by his cross-examination Just before the close of the inquiry he said I see mr. Graham of Penmorville is here this afternoon. I should like to ask him a question or two if you have no objection the coroner paled ever so slightly at this suggestion but he had no objection to offer so Bothwell Graham was asked to come up to the table and kiss the book Which he did with a somewhat bewildered air as if the thing came upon him as an unpleasant surprise You were in the train that evening. I believe mr. Graham said Distin. I was Were you alone in a compartment or in company with other passengers? I Had a third-class compartment to myself and you saw this girl fall i Saw her fall but as i saw just a little less than dr. Menheniot and the guard saw i don't see the good of my being questioned answered bothwell with rather a sullen air i Beg your pardon returned mr. Distin suavely every witness sees an event from a different point of view You may have noticed something which escaped the two witnesses we have just heard I noticed nothing more than you have been told by these two and I saw less than they saw I did not look out of the window till I heard the girl shriek, and I saw her in the act of falling Good, but you may have observed this solitary girl a foreigner and therefore more noticeable on the platform at Plymouth you were on the platform at Plymouth you know I Was but I did not see the girl at the station Strange that she should have escaped your observation although the porter who was busy with his duties had time to notice her Said mr. Distin Would it surprise you to hear that during the four or five minutes? I spent in the station before the train started I was standing at the bookstall buying papers with my back to the platform That would account for your not having seen this noticeable young stranger You were in Plymouth for several hours. I believe mr. Graham I was but upon my word. I don't see what hearing that fact can have upon this inquiry perhaps not Still you will not object to tell us what you were doing in Plymouth how you disposed of your time there This question evidently troubled Bothwell simple as it was and easy as it ought to have been to answer I Played a game at billiards at the Duke of Cornwall he said "'I am sure you are too good a player for that to occupy more than half an hour,' said Mr. Distin, with his silky air, as if he were employed in a very pleasant business, and were bent upon being as cheery as possible. "'I had to wait for the table. "'Come now, Mr. Graham, you need not be mysterious about so simple a matter,' exclaimed Mr. Distin. "'You don't mean to tell us that you went to Plymouth by the 12.15 train?' He had ascertained this fact before the inquiry began and Spent the whole of the day there in order to play a game at billiards in a public billiard room You must have had other business in Plymouth Certainly I had other business there Will you kindly tell us what that business was? As it concerned others besides myself and as it has not the faintest bearing upon this case I must decline to answer that question really now i should advise you to be more frank you leave Bodmin early in the day without giving any notice of your departure and you return late in the evening a most mysterious catastrophe occurs in the train which brings you home a death so strange so horrible that it casts a cloud over all the passengers travelling by that train leaves a stigma upon all as it were until the guilt of that deed can be brought home to one Surely under such circumstances the utmost frankness is desirable Every traveler in that train should be ready to answer any question which those who are charged with the elucidation of this mystery may ask I have answered your questions as to what occurred to me in the train and at the station But I decline to be catechised about my business in Plymouth answered Bothwell doggedly That will do said distin and bothwell went to his seat next julian Willard, whose handsome presence appeared in the front rank of spectators amongst those of the elite who were favoured with chairs while the commonalty stood in a mob at the back of the room the audience had been breathless during this examination of bothwell graham the young man's sunburnt face was clouded with anger his dark strongly marked brows were scowling over those grey-blue eyes which once had such a pleasant expression. "'I can't think what has come to Graham,' muttered a sporting squire to his next neighbour. "'He used to be such a pleasant fellow, but to-day he looks like a murderer.' "'You don't think he threw the girl out of the train, do you?' asked the other. "'God forbid! But by that London lawyer's questions, one would think he suspected Graham of having had a hand in the business.' The jury gave their verdict presently death from misadventure tell dora not to expect me at dinner said bothwell to julian Willard before they left the inn i shall dine in bodmin have you an engagement no but i can easily make one i am not going to break bread with your lawyer friend so long as he is at Penmorville, i shall be missing my dear bothwell you have no right to be angry at a simple question which you might have so easily answered Remonstrated Willard gravely It was a question which I did not choose to answer and which he had no right to ask It was an outrage to ask such a question to press it as he did Fifty years ago he might have been shot for a lesser insult By Jove I never felt more sorry that the good old dueling days are over the days when one man could not insult another with impunity How savage you are Bothwell! And against a man who was only in the exercise of his profession He had no right to question me as if I were a murderer Retorted Bothwell savagely did he think that I spent my time in Plymouth plotting that girl's death if I had made up my mind to Push a woman over an embankment I should not have wanted to spend a day in Plymouth in order to plan the business a Murder of that kind must be touch-and-go no sooner thought of than done "'All trouble would have been saved, my dear fellow, if you had given a straight answer to a simple question. "'To answer would have been to acknowledge his right to question me. "'No judge would have allowed counsel to have asked such a motiveless question. "'Nowhere except at a petty rustic inquiry would such a thing be permitted.' "'I can only say that you are needlessly angry, Bothwell,' said Willard. "'Here comes Distin. You had better drive home with us.' No, thank you. I shall be home before the house shuts up, but you'll see no more of me tonight Good night then The Penmorval barouche was waiting before the porch of the vital spark a great day for that rural hostelry When such a carriage could be seen waiting there a great day at the bar when all the strength of the Establishment could not serve brandies and soda and pale ales fast enough Joseph disting came tripping out and took his place in the carriage beside Julian Willard, he had lingered at the inn for a few minutes' talk with the coroner. Is not Mr. Graham going back with us? he asked as they drove towards the town. No, you wounded his dignity by those questions of yours. He is a curious young man and is easily offended. He is a very curious young man, answered the lawyer with a thoughtful air. He was looking at the landscape intently as they drove along the shady road between deep banks and luxuriant hedges but he would have found it rather difficult to say afterwards what kind of timber prevailed in the hedgerows or what crops grew in the fields he was thoughtful all that evening though he did his utmost to make himself agreeable to mrs Willard at dinner talking to her of art music the drama society all the arts and graces and pleasures of life doing everything in his power to distract her thoughts from that one grim theme which was the motive of his presence in that place when she was gone and distin and his host were alone together over their claret the lawyer dropped his society manner as if it had been a mask and began to talk seriously for the first time for a good many years i find myself completely at fault he said leaning across the table and cracking filberts in sheer distraction of mind i thought that i should be able to get up a case while i was in london but not a shred of evidence have i discovered if this girl had dropped from the moon it could not have been more difficult to trace her well my dear distin you have done your best and we must be satisfied replied Willard quietly i felt it to be my duty as a magistrate to do all in my power to fathom the mystery of that poor girl's death the best thing i could do was to put the case in your hands If you cannot help us no one can we must be satisfied But I am NOT satisfied Julian. I never shall be satisfied until I have solved this problem Said distin resolutely. I am NOT the sort of man who can stand being baffled in a matter of this kind Is all my professional training to go for nothing do you think and yet in your interest? It might be best that I should let this business drop out of my mind forget the whole story if possible How do you mean in my interest exclaimed Willard surprised. What bearing can the case have upon me or my interest beyond my desire to do my duty as a magistrate? I fear that this mystery touches you nearer than you suppose Surely Willard you must have been struck by the manner of your wife's kinsman under my examination Great heaven cried Willard you don't mean to tell me that you suspect Bothwell Graham of any hand in this business in perfect frankness between man and man, I believe that young man to be in some way, either as principal or accessory, concerned in the murder of that girl. My dear Diston, you must be mad. Come now, my dear Willard, you cannot pretend that you did not notice the strangeness of Mister Graham's manner this afternoon, his refusal to answer my question about his business in Plymouth. He was angry at your catechizing him in that manner and I must confess that your question appeared to the last degree irrelevant even to me Granted my question was irrelevant, but it was a test question I should never have cross-examined mr. Graham if I had not seen reason for suspecting him before the inquiry began I Was painfully impressed by his manner the night I dined here with him and I believe, from certain indications dropped unconsciously by your coroner, that he too saw reason for suspecting Mr. Graham. his manner to-day confirms my suspicion. I am deeply grieved that it should be so on your wife's account. You had need be sorry for her, why Bothwell is like a brother to her. It would break her heart, said Willard, strongly agitated. He had risen from the table, and was walking slowly up and down the room, between the windows opening wide upon the grey evening sky, and the warm lamplight within. Joseph Distin could not see his face, but he could see that he was strongly moved. "'My dear fellow, let us hope that Mrs. Willard will never know anything about this suspicion of mine,' said Distin, soothingly. "'I have, so far, not one scrap of evidence against Mr. Graham.' Except the evidence of looks and manner and the one fact of his refusal to say what he was doing in Plymouth the day of the girl's death There is nothing in all that to bring a man to the gallows I may have my own ideas about this mystery and mr. Heathcote may have pretty much the same notion But there is nothing to touch your wife's cousin so far I Shall go back to town and try to forget the whole matter all you have to do is to keep your own counsel and take care that mrs Willard knows nothing of what has passed in strictest confidence between you and me i would not have her know it for the worlds it would break her heart it might kill her women cannot bear such shocks and to think that a man can be suspected of a crime on such grounds suspected by you a student of crime and criminals because of a moody manner A refusal to answer a question. The whole thing seems too absurd for belief. Say that a thing is absurd, and that for once in his life Joe Distin has made a fool of himself. Take your wife to Bains, or to Biarritz. Julian Willard started at that last word as if he had been stung. What the deuce is the matter with you? Or with Biarritz? asked Distin sharply. Nothing. My mind was wandering, that's all. You were saying that you had better forget all that has passed between us tonight. Forget the death of that girl. Make a clean slate. Take your wife to some foreign watering place, the brightest and gayest you can find, and let Bothwell Graham dree his weird as best he may. The catastrophe on the railway will be forgotten in a week. I doubt it. We have not much to think about at Bodmin, and we exaggerate all our molehills into mountains. That girl's death will be the talk of the town for the next six months. And yet people go on existing in such places and think they are alive," exclaimed Distin. He left Penmorval after breakfast next morning without having seen Bothwell, who was out on the hills breaking in a new horse. While the family were at breakfast, he had been out since five o'clock. The butler told Mrs. Willard, "Is he riding Glencoe?" She asked with a look of alarm yes ma'am he is a dreadful horse i know julian she said manby told me about him only yesterday he had narrowly escaped being thrown the day before and he said that glencoe was a really dangerous horse and that we ought to get rid of him so that he may break somebody else's bones suggested mr Distin. that is what a good coachman always advises and now bothwell has gone out on him alone you would not have him take someone to pick him up if he were thrown," said Willard. "My dear Dora, there is not the slightest occasion for alarm. The horse is young and a little gay, but your cousin excels as a rough rider, and there will be no harm done. But why should he want to ride that horse?" said Dora. "I am sure Manby would advise him not." The very reason why he should do it," replied her husband. I wonder if he is trying to kill himself while I am eating my breakfast calmly here Speculated Joseph Distin. He must know that I suspect him and he may think that the game is up Whatever Bothwell's intention might have been he came back to Penmorville before 11 o'clock Bringing home the big bay hunter bathed in sweat and as tame as a sheep a fine, honest horse. Only once riding, he said, as he flung the bridle to the groom, who had been watching for him at the stable gates with an air of expecting to see broken bones. In the hall, Bothwell met Dora, cool and calm and beautiful in her white muslin breakfast gown. She was bringing in a basket of flowers from the hot house to be arranged by her own hands. Is that London lawyer gone yet? asked Bothwell curtly. He could not be civil even to his cousin when he spoke of joseph distin Yes, he has gone. I hope never to come back again said Dora He is really a very well-bred man, and he made himself most agreeable here, but he seems to bring with him an atmosphere of crime I could not help thinking of all the horrible cases He must have been concerned in and that he had grown rich by the crimes of mankind he could find out nothing about that poor girl's death it seems although he is so clever which goes rather to establish my view that the girl fell out of the train by accident replied bothwell chapter four